a foreigner skips the line to obtain a Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus vaccine. John Kerry, Mr. Climate Change, so concerned about global warming and global cooling that he has no problem traveling by a private jet. And the loss of a UK veteran who walked for Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus research passes away at the ripe age of 100. Bold Alpha is presented by Davidoff of Geneva, introducing the new Camacho Nicaragua, forged in fire. Harnessing the wild flavors of Nicaragua, Camacho, live loud, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. And by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new San Miguel by Gurkha, a medium to full-bodied Nicaraguan puro that delights the senses with notes of white pepper and a sweet honey-like finish. San Miguel by Gurkha. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Bold Alpha. It is Alpha Dave, your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief, front and center from Command Center Alpha. And as always, Bold Alpha, your home for alpha male pleasure, conversational maneuvers, and unabashed commentary. Well, skipping the line to obtain a Wuhan virus vaccine. Unacceptable, as far as I'm concerned. Now, In the state of Florida, the governor, Governor DeSantis, has made a priority for first responders, healthcare workers, and seniors, first of all in nursing homes and then seniors above age 65, to obtain a Chinese Wuhan virus vaccine. All for it. In fact, I've had people saying to me, General, have you gotten your shot? And I said, no, I'm not uh, a senior, and I will wait my turn when there are other when there's ample vaccine uh, vaccine inventory, I will then take the shot. But until then, I will wait in line like everyone else. That is not a problem. In fact, as I have told many people that I have taken, and I do take, zinc, 25 milligrams of zinc a day. I take quercetin. I am also on a prophylactic dose once a week of hydroxychloroquine. Additionally, I take vitamin C, vitamin D3, and I always wash my hands, and I make sure that I am smart. I was invited recently to a big party, house party. There was probably going to be 75, 100 people, and I passed. Some friends said, why are you passing? I said, very simple. Why should I put myself into a situation that could endanger myself? Now, The reality is, okay, maybe nobody has the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. Maybe there's one. Maybe there's two. But why do I want to take that chance? I will still go out to dinner. I'll still go out to lunch. I will lead my life. But you must be smart about things. And being smart, as far as I'm concerned, is also if you are not in a high-risk group, senior citizen, other health, uh, ancillary health issues, then you should wait your turn. And I think most Americans feel the exact same way. However, we have a Mexican who came to the United States recently, Juan Jose Oregel. 
He is known for hosting a Mexican daytime TV show or several shows, one called Venteniando, which is called Looking Out the Window, Hoy, which is Today, and La Oreja, The Ear. And his name has become a very hot topic here in the Sunshine State. He revealed on social media that he flew to Miami to obtain, for one and only one reason, to obtain a Chinese Wuhan virus vaccine. He posted a photo of himself last weekend getting a shot in his right arm while sitting in his car at a drive through vaccine location in Miami. Now, this to me, number one, it is outrageous that somebody who is not a frontline worker, not at risk, and not a senior, it's outrageous to me that anybody that doesn't fit that category would try to jump the line. What's even more perturbing to me is that a Mexican, and I don't care if it's Mexican, somebody from France, somebody from Great Britain, somebody from the Cayman Islands, a Canadian, I don't give a shit who comes here. But in no way, shape, or form should they, any foreigner, get a Chinese Wuhan virus vaccine, number one, on our nickel, on our dime, and number two, when there are so many more deserving people. Now, I'm looking at this guy. He looks like he's probably in his, I don't know, late 40s. In fact, let me uh, let me do a little quick duck, duck, go search. Juan Jose Origel. I think it's Origel, Origel. Let's see. Let's see. It does, but this guy looks like he's probably, well, he's got a very bad hair job dye. So he, oh, he's 73. Okay. He's 73. So he's a senior. However, he's not an American citizen. Hey, but why let That's never stopped any Mexican from coming over the border, right? Legal or illegal, especially illegal. I don't care if this guy's 473. He's a Mexican citizen. He's not an American citizen. Stay out of this country and keep your arms out of our vaccines, period. That is absolutely unacceptable. Now, Governor DeSantis has said, look, if somebody is a long-term resident of Florida, a snowbird, they have a house, they have a condo, uh, they, they rent property for four, you know, long-term, three, four, five months, he was willing to allow them to get a shot. But he does not want vaccine tourism, where people fly into Florida, get a vaccine, and then leave. Sorry. If you live in New York, stay in New York. Let your half-assed governor deal with it. We're on the ball here in Florida, but this is totally unacceptable to me. Now, a spokesperson for the Florida Department of Health made it clear that vaccine tourism is illegal. Department spokesperson Jason Mann said, told the Wall Street Journal, the agency has vowed to investigate misuse of the vaccine. It is absolutely not permitted. For someone to come into Florida for one day to receive the vaccine and leave the next. We ask that all suspected incidents be reported to the appropriate county health department immediately. Now, I think this clown, with a very bad dye job, should absolutely be prosecuted, file charges. Let's get that son of a bitch extradited. Let's make a federal case out of it. Because as far as I'm concerned, anybody that jumps the line 
It's outrageous. There was just a, a story that uh, in New York State, I think in New York City, a Peloton instructor, the fitness uh, exercise bike, whatever it is, the Peloton, and you, you can virtually take classes, and they have these instructors that virtually tell you to get moving and huff and puff. Well, she obtained a vaccine. Now, she looks like she's in her probably 40s. Obtained a vaccine ahead of the line. Why? Because she said she was an educator. Well, I believe that shots for educator, vaccines for educators, are those people that are teaching classes in person. And she received a lot of flack for it. And it's nonsense. I have people all the time saying, General, when are you getting your shot? And I said, well, when it's available. If that's in three months, if it's in six months. But I believe that people who are seniors, who have other health conditions, they absolutely should come first. And this is outrageous to me. Again, a foreigner comes on our soil, takes a vaccine from someone who needs it when supply is limited, makes light about it by tweeting it, and then basically makes us look like a bunch of morons, like really a bunch of dumb schmucks for allowing this to happen. My question should have been, why was he not asked for ID? You need to live in Florida. If not, if you're here three, four, five months, then show us some form of proof that you're here for longer than a day, a week, a month, two months. Outrageous to me. In fact, let's hope he received the one vaccine that actually doesn't work. Let's, let's hope that out of the millions of vaccines that were given in Florida, so far they had one bum vaccine, and this Mexican TV host, Juan Jose Oregel, gets the bum vaccine. And you know what? The guy deserves to get the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. I don't wish ill upon anybody. Screw it. Yes, I do. I wish ill upon this Mexican TV host that jumped the line, came here, not an American citizen, not an American resident, and obtained a flu shot. That is outrageous. That should make every American absolutely ticked off. And I don't care if you come from whatever country. Your country should be responsible for getting the vaccine. And we can thank President Donald J. Trump. President number 45 of the United States of America for even the vaccine being available. If it weren't for him and his prodding and his pushing and Operation Warp Speed, I can assure you there wouldn't be any vaccine on the horizon for five years. And wasn't, isn't it amazing that just a few months ago the enemy of America Democrats were saying Oh, I wouldn't trust the vaccine. The vaccine is terrible. They're rushing it. President Trump is rushing it. I wouldn't trust anything. Don't take it. Cuomo saying we're going to do separate tests and other governors from Democrat states. Oh, no, don't take it. Biden, Harris, I wouldn't trust. I'm Kamala Harris. Oh, by the way, my new nickname for her is Kamila. Kami, because she is a Kami. Kamila Harris saying, I wouldn't trust anything. Excuse me. Excuse me, Vice President Pence. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. I wouldn't trust anything from this administration. I wouldn't put anything in my arm. But meanwhile, a few months later, miraculously, they're sitting there in front of everybody showing the entire country they're amongst the first to get the vaccine. My, my. If that's not calling the kettle black, I don't know what is.
Some cigars just can't be tamed. And that's a good thing when it comes to the Camacho Nicaragua. Forged in fire with full frontal flavor, nice notes of sweetness, spice, oakiness, forged in volcanic soil, rolled perfectly, starting with the Ecuadorian wrapper to the Honduran binder and the Nicaraguan, Honduran, and Dominican fillers. The Camacho Nicaragua is bold, is rich, a nice medium to full-flavored cigar. If you're looking to up your taste, try the Camacho Nicaragua because some things just can't be tamed. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Global climate change, global warming, global cooling. It's an existential threat. If we don't do anything in the next 10 years, the earth will be gone. The earth will melt. The earth will overheat. We'll have glaciers melting. The waters will rise. Volcanoes will be erupting. We'll have massive storms. The earth will be gone, done, finished. We've been hearing this bullshit for 40, 50 years. I think I mentioned on a recent Bold Alpha I was watching the American president with Michael Douglas, Douglas and Annette uh, Benning. And within that, that was shot 25 years ago, that motion picture, as they say in Hollywood. And what were they saying then? If we don't get a 10 to 20% decrease in, in, in carbon emissions in 10 to 20 years, the earth will be gone. The earth will be done. We'll have massive change. And yet here we are. We're still here. The sun rises. Right now, we've got a cool streak across the, uh, the United States, across North America. Arctic polar blast coming later this week. In the cigar city of Tampa, where I am conducting broadcast maneuvers from Command Center Alpha, right now, I think the temperature is about uh, 55 degrees, but it's sunny, it's cool, love it, have a nice pullover on, fantastic. But the last time I looked... We're not seeing waters rising. We're not seeing, you know, the, 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 the earth melting down. Everything is the same as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when all these enemy of America Democrats and these climate change wackadoodles, these, these people that say, if we don't do something immediately, we're all screwed. We're all going to be dead. And I find it amazing when the new U.S. Special Envoy on Climate in the fraudulent President Biden regime got up last week in the White House briefing room and started railing about how we need to address climate change immediately. We need to get back in the Paris Accords, and this is going to help us, and we've got to get off of fossil fuels, and we need to get onto electric-powered cars, and we need to have renewable energy, and so on and so forth. The same bullshit that they've been spewing for 40 years, they continue to spew. Now, I want you to remember one thing. When it comes to all these politicians and these climate change activists, it's always about you. It is never about them. What you need to do, how you need to change, how you need to cut back on, on carbon fuel, 
You need to stop keeping your air conditioning at 68 or 70. You need in the winter to, instead of bringing your heat down to or up to 72, you should bring it down to 65 so that we don't use all this fossil fuel. It's always about you. It's never about them. And I'll tell you how I know they're full of bullshit. First up, John Kerry. So worried about climate change. If we don't do anything right now, we're done. Well, that didn't stop John Kerry from using his family's Gulfstream 4 jet over 22 hours last year. Now, I have no problem with private air transportation. All for it. As people know, I'm a private pilot. Love flying. Takes fossil fuel. When you get on a 757 or a 787 or an Airbus 320 or 330, it's not powered by solar panels. It's powered by fossil fuel, jet fuel, primarily a kerosene derivative. John Kerry, he's so concerned about the environment that he flies in a plane that burns more fuel than the average American will in one flight, a two-hour flight, than, than the average American will in probably three years. But it's all about you. It is never about them. Now, between February 9th of 2020 and January 10th, 2021, they estimate, using Paramount Business Jet's emissions calculator, Fox News found that based on his travels last year, he will burn 166 metric tons of carbon over the next 12 months. 166 metric tons. Now, let's give you a comparison. The typical passenger vehicle emits 4.6 metric tons of carbon dioxide per year. Now, think about this for a second. If he is so concerned about climate change... Why would he not go commercial and say, look, I can go commercial and the amount of emissions will be far less? If Barack Obama was so concerned about climate change and the global or the, the rising sea levels at the coasts, you'll recall a few years ago he said, hey, look, Miami, we don't do anything. Miami's going to be underwater in a few years. Well, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama made a very large real estate purchase this summer. They purchased an estate on Martha's Vineyard for, I think, 13 or $14 million, which happens to be smack dab on the water at smack dab sea level. Now, if they are so concerned about climate change and the rising sea levels... Why would they buy and drop $14 million on an estate sitting at sea level on Martha's Vineyard? The answer is because they all know climate change is an absolute blatant hoax. They know it, but they want to use it for wealth redistribution. You need to buy credits. You need to buy offsets. Who even sells these offsets? Who gets the money? You hear all this bullshit. Oh, we're buying carbon offsets. Where does the money go? Somebody's going to be making money, I guarantee you, on the conversion, the supposed conversion from fossil fuels to electric vehicles. And oh, by the way, there was a classic this week, Soundbite Classic. 
in Michigan. I think they were in Flint, Michigan. General Motors uh, and some member of the uh, Michigan government, they were demonstrating their the fact that GM is still in electric vehicles. And in 10 years, they announced, 10, 15 years, all their vehicles will be electrically powered, no more fossil fuel-powered vehicles from General Motors. Okay, so they showed one government official, you know, right in front of this government building. He takes the power plug and he plugs it in on the side and he looks and says, see, very simple. You just plug it in and it charges. You don't have to go to a gas station or anything. So one person said, well, where's the power coming from? And he looked and said, well, it's coming from the building. And then they asked the GM person, well, okay, it's coming from the building. Well, where does that building get its power? Uh, I, I, and she said, I, I think it comes from the power grid somewhere. And then one of the Flint officials said, well, it comes from our, 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 our power station. And so the reporter said, what powers that power station? And he said, I, I believe that's a coal-fired power, power station. Bingo. So think about this. Everybody's in a rush to go ahead and get rid of automobiles and vehicles that use fossil fuel, a gasoline diesel engine. They want to replace it with electric. Okay, if you have 250 million electrically powered vehicles on the road, you're going to have to recharge those every night or every few days, depending on the amount of driving one does. So everybody plugs it in, let's say half the country. 125 million cars are plugged in. Do you know what that's going to do to the power grid? going to have to upgrade the power grid. Oh, and by the way, you're going to need to build new power plants. Nobody wants nuclear. Nobody wants natural gas, which is very clean. You can't manufacture enough hydropower. Good luck with wind and solar. It's just simply not enough. So how on earth are you going to recharge all these electrically powered vehicles? And yet not one reporter from the Libstream Media raises their hand to say, excuse me, President Biden, you've talked about converting within the next 10 years and getting rid of all these gas pipelines and, and, and gas jobs and natural gas jobs and oil jobs. How are you going to power? How, how are you going to build all these power plants? What's going what's to power them? And I'll guarantee you'll say, well, we'll do, we'll do uh, wind and we'll do, we'll do solar. And if the reporter was smart saying, that's great, but there's not enough land to do wind and solar. You need other power plants. Is it going to be nuclear? Is it going to be natural gas? Again, this is all a giant fairy tale. It's a giant fantasy. And all these people that say, oh, I, I just got my Tesla, and I just got my electrically powered vehicle, and I'm, I'm because I want to do my part for global climate change, and I want to do my part, and I'm, my, my, I have zero emissions. And then I asked them, oh, by the way, that power, you know how that, how that uh, power comes to you? Via a naturally, by a, a, a power plant that is fueled by natural gas. And they say, oh, I didn't know that. They never think about these things. Because you have to remember most Democrats are dipshits. They're stupid. And the liberal stream media goes right along with it. Not one person has asked in any press conference, never seen it, Excuse me, John Kerry, Joe Biden, any of these Democrats who jump up and down on the, uh, on the, the climate change bandwagon, how are you going to power 
all these power plants? What is going to fuel these power plants? Nobody asks the question, and I guarantee when you do, nobody will have the answer. So my reaction is this. Until John Kerry gives up his private jet, until Al Gore stops flying private, and Al Gore stops uh, living in 15,000-square-foot mansions that use more power than 100 houses in a year, until Barack Obama sells his waterfront estate in Martha's Vineyard at sea level, until they start practicing what they preach, don't even give another thought to climate change. It is nothing more than a wealth distribution gimmick. That's it. And it's about control. It's about a small number of people saying, this is how we want you to drive, this is how we want you to live, but oh, we don't need to follow those rules. Because Obama will still travel private. He still has his Secret Service motorcade of Suburbans, SUVs that burn fossil fuel. If he's so concerned, get in a freaking bulletproof uh, a Prius or a Chevy Volt or a Tesla. I don't see that happening. It's never going to happen. Climate change, another absolute load of poppycock created by the ultra-liberal left to scare you, to frighten you, and control how you live, what you purchase, and to allow them to enhance their wealth while you suffer. Gurkha has been manufacturing the world's finest cigars for 30 years. And to commemorate their 30th anniversary, they created the Gurkha Trenta, a pleasant, medium-bodied cigar exquisite in every way. Taste, construction, pleasure, notes of sweetness, complex flavors, nice spice, all wrapped in a medium-bodied cigar. If you're looking for an exquisite cigar in every way, it's the Gurkha Trenta, celebrating Gurkha's 30th anniversary. To explore the entire Gurkha portfolio, visit GurkhaCigars.com. I have been on the bandwagon against Boeing for a while. At one time, Boeing was a phenomenal company. Their engineers were amongst the finest in the world. The airplanes, the aircraft they built, the 707, the 727, the original 737, the 747s, the 757s and 760s, built like absolute tanks. Engineering marvels. Boeing didn't skimp on one lick of engineering. Engineers ruled the roost. If an engineer said, it's going to cost us more to do this, but it's going to be safer, Boeing management said, absolutely, they acquiesced every single time. And something changed. Oh, about 10 years ago, when the CEO of Boeing came from, I think, I'm not, I think it came from GE, and they were worried about a takeover by some other aerospace company, they ended up putting profit, financial decisions, before engineering decisions. Perfect case in point, the 737 MAX, I call it the 737 crap. It is still an inherently unstable airplane. They took the fuselage of a 737, and instead of saying, hey, let's spend $10 billion for a brand new clean sheet design. Now, what's a clean sheet design? Where they basically say, we're going to create a new airplane from a clean sheet of paper. Now they don't use paper. Everything's computer-assisted design. It's all computerized. But the moral of the story is it's basically a clean design, brand new. Everything, wings, avionics, engines, landing gear, flight systems, everything is new. Now the boring, bo uh, boring, the Boeing board, 
about 10 years ago, maybe less than that, was presented with a choice. Airbus announced they were taking their A320 line, which was relatively new, not the 737 line, which dates back now over 50 years, and it's been stretched infinitum. I mean, stretched and stretched and stretched and stretched. So Airbus announced that they are going to re-engine and do some modifications, some wing modifications to their Airbus 320 and call it the A320neo. Same thing with their A330 and A321. Much greater fuel efficiency, much quieter, and they were going to do it and they'd be out within, I think, three years. So Boeing, Boeing faced a decision. They were talking about a clean sheet design from the ground up, but then they said, well, that would cost $10 billion, or for a couple of billion, we can go ahead and just take our existing 737, we'll call it the max, we'll put these giant engines on it, and it'll be fuel efficient, and we can this way get to market early and sign up orders, and this way we don't lose in the competition. And the Boeing board made the disastrous, disastrous decision to go ahead with the less expensive 737 MAX program. Now, as we know, it has cost Boeing far more than $10 billion. I mean, it's costing them probably $50 billion between modifications, lawsuits, between givebacks to airlines because they, the, the plane was out of service for over a year, between their stock price tanking. $10 billion would have been cheap. Now, the Boeing board decided they would go with the 737 MAX. And there's one little problem. In order to get the fuel efficiency, you must use these ultra-high bypass turbofan engines. I won't get into the scientific design of an ultra-high bypass turbofan en engine. But essentially what that does, it takes a massive amount of air and compresses it down. And so it allows for less RPMs in the various spool stages, and you get fuel efficiency of like 8 to 10%. Basically, when you think about a jet engine, there's four stages to a jet engine. Basically, it is suck, suck a ton of, a ton of air, squeeze, you then squeeze all that air into a narrow, much narrow chamber. So it's suck, squeeze, bang, ignite that high-pressure air with the fuel, and blow. Blow it out, and that at the exhaust, and essentially that's what propels an aircraft. That's how a jet engine is propelled. Suck, squeeze, blow, bang. Or correction, bang, blow. Suck, squeeze, bang, blow. You could probably use that for something else with your harem if you know what I'm talking about, and I think you do. But that's the simplification of how a jet engine works. The problem with that big, new, ultra-high-bypass turbofan engine that Boeing wanted to put on their new 737 MAX, it was so large that they could not use, they, they had to use the existing fuselage, but they had to raise the landing gear. So they needed new landing gear, they had to raise the landing gear, and they had to move the engine so far forward of the wing that it changed the center of gravity on the aircraft. Now, again, that's technical. I won't get into what that means. But suffice it to say, you then had an inherently unstable aircraft. So that at high power, the airplane wanted to pitch up to an excessive nose-up attitude. Now, 
instead of looking and saying, wait a minute, this is not going to work. We can't do this. And instead of using other types of various configurations on the wings, the cheaper method was, okay, we're going to put, we're going to create this MCAS, this maneuvering characteristic augmentation system, a computer program, which would take over at certain elements when we're, when the airplanes in high power, uh, certain attitude configurations, and it would override the pilot. Big mistake. It would make decisions. Well, you know what they say about computers. Garbage in, garbage out. And so Boeing started cutting back. Garbage in, garbage out. They started saying, okay, well, it's not an option to have two, you need to have uh, two various sensors, basically two pedostatic systems. They said, eh, you only need one on this MCAS system. Well, there's a problem. If you only use one and there's bad information, garbage in, garbage out, it's going to make bad decisions. That's exactly what happened to the MCAS. And then Boeing never told the pilots, never trained them properly, because again, follow the dollar sign. In the event that any of the airlines that took delivery of the 737 MAX, Southwest, American, any of the other operators, in the event that additional simulator training was needed, because Boeing sold it on the fact that, hey, the cabin layout, the, the, the flight deck is the same as all the other 737s. It's a common type rating, meaning if a pilot gets type rated for a 737-700, he can fly the 800, the 900, the 737 MAX 8, and the MAX 9, no problem. Because it uses the same avionics, same layout, same technically type of handling and maneuvering characteristics. So Boeing signed a deal, and the airlines insisted that if they do need to put their pilots in training, they would provide, depend on what they negotiated, a million dollars per delivery. Okay. So Boeing had an incentive not to put any pilots into additional training because they'd have to write a check back to the airlines for a million bucks per plane. They didn't want to do it. So what did they do? Boeing lied. Boeing's engineers were overwritten on a number of items. Shoddy workmanship. The, the whole system just, it's inherently unstable from the get-go. Pilots weren't trained. And who was sitting at the top of that? Former Boeing CEO Dennis Muhlenberg. And he looked like a deer in headlights when he was in front of a house panel. And they went right after him saying, how did you allow this? How did you do this? There were families of victims of those two crashes behind him. He didn't give a shit. He sat there and said, oh, I apologize. It's terrible. And I personally, you know, went on and on. But the fact of the matter is the Boeing board, the Boeing executives, every person that had a hand in the Boeing 737 MAX is culpable and liable in my estimation. Personally, I think criminal charges should have been brought against members of the board and top executives. They knew what was going on. They overrode their engineers. They didn't care. Now, he's been gone for about a year. Finally, the board said, okay, enough. You're gone. Well, he's resurfaced again. Former Boeing CEO Dennis Muhlenberg is taking steps to reenter American aviation space defense industries with a special purpose acquisition company. It's called a SPAC. You may have heard about them. 
And basically what happens is a SPAC where they raise a certain amount of money and then they can merge with a private company and now they're automatically public. So basically they raise the money and they can go and acquire whatever they want. Well, the new company is New Vista Acquisition Corporation. He's going to be the CEO chairman incorporated in the Cayman Islands. The company's directors and advisors will include former Boeing executives. Great. The clowns that were involved in the 737 MAX, as well as former officials from the FAA and the U.S. Air Force. There's always this level of swampiness, this intertwining of just absolute swamp rats that you see at every level. So you got Boeing that, that basically created an airplane that was really a killer. Any way you look at it. I still won't take a 737 MAX. That's my estimation. I don't think you should either. In fact, a former Boeing engineer has come out not that long ago, about a week ago, saying there's still problems with the plane. Still haven't been fixed. He wouldn't fly on it. Well, if he's not flying on it, I'm not flying on it, and you shouldn't fly on it. But it's amazing. Former Boeing executives, former members of the FAA, former members of the Air Force, it's all a giant cesspool. It's all the same clowns, the same characters that get together. They just move to a different company. I wouldn't trust Muhlenberg with a paper airplane, let alone anything that flies, for real. But yet, now he's going to be starting up this brand new company with Swamp Rats. And that's one of the reasons why, when you look at former Air Force officials. So he's going to have all these former generals maybe former admirals from the Navy, other people who were involved in procuring aviation and defense contracts. Muhlenberg knows them all. Before he was the CEO of Boeing, he uh, headed their defense division. Knows all these guys. They're all good pals. They all go have their martinis together. They go have and play golf together. They're all good buddies. And they all pat each other on the back. And when the generals and admirals retire, where do they go? They go to the defense contractors and they say, hey, retired Admiral Jim Mattis, or General Jim Mattis, come on over. I think he's on, I'm not sure if he's on the Lockheed uh, or Northrop Grumman or uh, Sergeant Steve, do me a favor. Can you type in uh, just uh, General Mattis, board of directors? It's one of the defense contractors. Why is it that all these retiring generals and admirals, why do they want to continue staying in the Middle East now that we've been in 20 years? Why do they want us to get into all these hot spots that President Donald Trump wanted us out of? Very simple. Sergeant Steve? General Dynamics. General Dynamics. Ah, so as soon as he leaves the as Secretary of Defense, within a week, he's named to the General Dynamics Board. Now, why do you think they named him to the board? I'll tell you why because he's going to talk to all his good buddies back in the Pentagon and say, listen, look, we need some defense contracts. And, hey, listen, when you're done here, you retire, we got, a, we got room for you. We got a nice two $300,000 a year consulting job for you. Got a lobbying job for you. We'll find a job for you. It happens repeatedly. It is a giant cesspool. They go from the Pentagon they go to the defense contractors, and everybody lines their pockets. While we're still in a 20-year war in Afghanistan, Iraq, needless. And when President Trump wanted to get out, he was fought bitterly. And in fact, what did we hear? Oh, you can't leave. It's terrible. This is going to be bad for America. We need to stay in. 
This would be like saying, hey, World War II was, you know, was fought 1944, 1945. But you know what? It's now 1965, and we're going to still stay in Germany. Well, we are in Germany. Well, we have our bases there. But we're not in hostile territory in Germany right now. This will be the same thing, a 20-year continuation of World War II. That's what we're seeing. And why? President Eisenhower warned the country, his very famous departure speech before he left office. Now remember, he was a general, so he knew the military-industrial complex. He led America in winning World War II, along with our great generals, including the greatest general of them all, General George S. Patton, in the European Theater of Operations. He came right out and said, beware of the, the growing power of the military-industrial complex. More weapons, more cash, incentive to go into more areas and get into incursions. What are we seeing today? All these generals and admirals, right from the Pentagon to the private defense contractors. Well, they're publicly traded, but going into private industry. We're seeing the same thing with Boeing now. He tanks two airplanes. Two airplanes, people will never be around, hundreds of deaths, and now this guy's going to raise $200 million and start getting into the swamp once again, buying defense contracting companies, bringing on all these former FAA, Pentagon officials, lining everybody's pocket once again. Hey, crime pays, especially if you are a Democrat, especially if you're in the Washington swamp, it pays. And here's another perfect example I'll give you, the the attorney for the Department of Justice who falsified, forged, lied on FISA court documents, blatantly lied, forged them, changed them, lied to the court, major, ma I think that's uh, punishable up to I don't know how many years in prison. The Obama-appointed judge, a Democrat, gives him a sentence last week, found guilty, or plead, pled guilty of one-year probation, 400 hours community service, and a $100 fine. The judge saying, well, he's suffered enough. Meanwhile, if a kid sells half an ounce of pot on the street of Chicago or L.A. or New York, and he's caught, you think he's getting off with a $100 fine? Hell no. Crime pays if you live in the swamp and if you're a Democrat. It is absolutely outrageous. Okay, Captain Tom Moore, UK veteran. We talked about him a while back. Actually, I think last summer. World War II veteran. He walked into the hearts of a nation in lockdown. He shuffled up and down his garden to raise money for healthcare workers for, uh, who had tested positive for the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. And he initially said, I'm just going to raise, if I can raise 1,000 pounds or about $1,300, for Britain's National Health Service by walking 100 laps of his backyard. But the next thing you know, his quest goes viral. Millions of people see it around the world. Donations pour in from across Britain, across the world. He raised $40 million, 33 million pounds. Kept walking. And for three weeks last April, they were fans were greeted with daily videos of Captain Tom pushing his walker across the garden, and he said, please always remember tomorrow will be a good day. Always said that during his walk. He finished his 100th lap on April 16th. A military honor guard lined the path. 
The celebration continued on his birthday a few days later when he hit 100 years old. Two World War II era fighter planes flew overhead in tribute. And uh, Queen Elizabeth knighted him in July in a socially distanced ceremony at Windsor Castle. And, uh, you know, just a great story overall. Well, sad to report that Captain Tom Moore passed away at the age of 100 after he tested positive for the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. Now, we don't know if that was the cause of death. Look, he hit 100. It's remarkable. So to Captain Tom Moore, a snappy salute to you, sir. May you rest in peace. We commend you for your World War II service, and we commend you for raising $40 million for those affected by the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus, the healthcare workers. Job well done. Rest in peace, sir. Lastly, this is an absolute classic. Now, everybody talks about face coverings. You have to wear a mask or a face covering. Well, I've got to give it to North Dakota Representative Wayne Trottier. Picture of him last Friday in the Bismarck Tribune. He decided that he was going to wear a very unique face covering. He took a crown royal purple velvet bag, put it over his nose and mouth, secured it with a tie around his neck, and that is what he is using for his face covering. Outstanding. My, my question is, I hope it's got a little bit of a tinge of that wonderful Crown Royale taste. Maybe spray a little bit of that Crown Royale. And I remember as a kid, my grandfather, Cigar Abe, would drink Crown Royal. He would always give me the purple Crown Royal bag. And I would put toys in there or other things, but I always would say, Papa Abe, I want the bag. Always would give me the bag. He enjoyed his six gold label cigars every day. And he certainly enjoyed his daily Crown Royale as well. Lived till 85. So I think uh, that gives me motivation. Now I want to go out, take one of my Crown Royal bags, dress it up, and use that as a face covering. I've got to tell you, it's a great, I mean, talk about a conversation starter. It is a classic, and we will post this at, uh, uh, on social media because it is, what a creative way. And he's not breaking the law because all it says is you need to have a cloth face covering. Okay, I would argue that probably a Crown Royal bag is thicker than some of the surgical masks. Like I wear those blue surgical masks. I would venture to say the Crown Royal bag is probably a better deterrent from letting any of your, your germs out compared to using the surgical mask. So North Dakota Representative Wayne Trottier, a very big snappy salute to you. All right, let me talk about the Cigar Dave Officers Club, as well as the Brothers Cigar Dave podcast. If you have not listened to it, you want to enhance your cigar, your cigar skills, your get into being a cigar connoisseur, because it is really a wonderful hobby uh, for those of us that are cigar connoisseurs. And it's not about smoking 10 cigars a day or five cigars. No, 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 no. It's about quality, not quantity. Now, I'll tell you a cigar that is all about quality. That is the January 2021 Officers Club selection. We have a program. You get three great cigars shipped to you every month. And for January, the Alec and Bradley Kintsugi. Brand new, elegant, medium-bodied cigar created by second-generation cigar makers Alec and Bradley Rubin. Pays homage to the ancient Japanese art form of joining together ceramics with gold lacquer that makes the, the ceramic even more beautiful. And they felt that cigars like the gold lacquer are a bonding agent 
that can bring people from all walks of life together. Beautiful Honduran Trojes wrapper, dual Nicaraguan Honduran binder, Honduran Nicaraguan filler. Absolutely delightful cigar. If you remember the Officers Club, they're being shipped out today, Wednesday. Actually, started yesterday and today, uh, Tuesday, February 2nd, Wednesday, February 3rd. We had a slight delay. Why? The cigars are so new because one of the things we pride ourselves at the Officers Club is getting the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. The cigars were so new that they literally were still aging in their cedar-lined aging rooms in Honduras. Now, when I talked to Ralph Montero of Alec Bradley Cigars, he said, General, look, they're good to go, but I smoke one, they'll be even better. They'll be perfection if you give me two more weeks. So normally we send them out around January, about the 20th of the month. So they went out yesterday and today. If you're a member of the Officers Club, be patient. You should have them by the end of the week. You'll thank me. They're phenomenal cigars, a true medium-bodied gem, an absolute winner. For February, we should be on time. We've got a wonderful selection from Crown Heads, a Crown Heads portfolio sampler. We'll talk more about that in the next Bold Alpha and our upcoming Cigar Dave podcasts. So don't forget, make sure you subscribe to Bold Alpha as well as our brother Cigar Dave podcast. We've got another Bold Alpha that will come your way later this week. We talk cigars. We talk alpha male pleasure maneuvers. As always, Alpha Dave, your global five-star general, saying never let the enemies of pleasure deter you from enjoying the alpha male lifestyle. Live it up. (laughs) 